Come spell weavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome back to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, where we are making old school young again. I'm your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and uh, this evening I am very excited to be joined by a friend of mine, someone that I've been uh, getting to know a lot recently. He is one of my compatriots over in the Basic Experts Gilded server. Um, he is also known as the curator, but ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have Ryan Heffelfinger on the show tonight, one of the uh, the great Ryans in the uh, the role-playing game universe. Uh Maybe first, maybe second, depending on who you ask. If you ask me, I'm first. If you ask his mother, he's first. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, before we get into that, uh, everyone remember to like, share, and subscribe if you enjoy what we're doing here on Rolling Bones uh, and you want to be notified of when we have new episodes available. Also want to remind everyone to uh, follow me on various social media on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Howard underscore Ryan Gregg. YouTube, I am Roland Bones. Twitch is twitch.tv slash Roland Bones Ryan. And Substack is rollandbones.substack.com. Uh, I have been very, very amped up about Substack uh, recently. I, I've really enjoyed kind of the reception that I've had on Substack. Um, people really seem to enjoy the content that I put up there. Uh, anyone who remembers my Twitter threads, this is kind of the spiritual successor to those. Uh, so if you enjoy RPG articles and the like, especially those focusing on running kind of grand campaign type uh, RPG campaigns and stuff, go ahead and check out rollingbones.substack.com. And uh, also want to remind everyone that I've got merch available over on TeePublic. Uh, so you can buy some great designs like I Just Want to Grill and Game, Bonehead, T-shirt, Sweatshirt, and the Rolling Bones logo. Uh, those are the designs that I have right now. I've retired the RP Gorillas shirt. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it anymore. Uh, but we will have new designs available at some point as soon as I create them. So uh, stay tuned for that. And if you want to buy any of the t-shirts that you see right there, you can go to the link that I just posted in the chat. And uh, for those of you who are watching after the fact on YouTube, uh, you can find links to everything in the pinned comment below this video. And you will also be able to find links to our esteemed guests content there as well. So with all of my shilling and my nonsense out of the way, let's go ahead and bring on the man of the hour, uh, the man of the power, uh, one of the great Ryans in the RPG world, ladies and gentlemen, the curator, a.k.a. Ryan Heffelfinger. Welcome to Rolling Bones. Hey, Ryan. Uh, hey, chat. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I've, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, you and I have a lot in common. We have very similar stories. And I feel like we have a lot to talk about here on the show. Thank you. Yeah, I can't wait to get started, man. Cool. So let's begin at the beginning here. Uh, you know, start the same place that I start with every single guest that comes on here. Uh, how did you get into role playing games? Well, um, I got into role-playing games through a high school club back in 2016. They were playing 5e, and I thought it was pretty cool. Went home, like, researching it and making character sheets and all that. And my uh, parents and I had a disagreement over the uh, satanic nature of Dungeons & Dragons, and I was basically barred from it until I moved out of... um, my parents house but during that time i'd like sneak live shows like actual plays like critical role or um the adventure zone or um city on the uh, city on a hill which is a uh, christian based one oh, um and then i'd uh, i'd also download pdfs that um ben melton of questing beast would review i grabbed red and pleasant land yun suin um gardens of yin nave i didn't read them like thoroughly like super detailed like the brosr says you should i'm working on that (laughs) but yeah um then when i joined the military and finished my basic training um i bought 5e cracked it open thought it was a bit too complicated and ran nave uh ran a game of nave with a mixture of um it's some game where you're trying to survive the winter for uh, a spring, br- no, a Christmas break game. We ran that for 12 days for five hours a day. And that was a blast. I really enjoyed that. And I kind of just, um, I got really into RPGs and sort of backed off my studies. And that kind of hurt me in the long run. But. Oh. Sorry, uh, you were muted there for a second. What what did you say? Where did you lose me? Um, you had just talked about the winter game. Okay, yeah. Sorry about that. So we it's, it's ran a. <laughs> it's all right. We ran a game of Nave, and it was it was a blend of Nave and this game. I'm skipping. You know how it is. Um, where you're supposed to survive the winter. And we had set it in Yoon Suen's Mountains of the Moon, and it was super fun. We played for 12 days straight, five hours a day, before our little break ended, and we had to head back to like our studies and stuff. Um, but I unfortunately focused a little too much on D&D at the time, just because I was so barred from it as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I kind of fell back on my studies and that hurt me for a little bit in job prospects and stuff. But uh, because of that, I ended, ended up thinking that um, D&D was in fact satanic and evil and that it was the reason I had failed and it's not because I failed to study properly. And so I threw out a whole bunch of my uh, games and books and stuff, but I would still watch Critical Role and all these other things. So I got home and 
I still had the urge to play RPGs, so I started looking into the um, Christian side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, got into games like um, Dragon Raid and Holy Lands, and I was disappointed when I cracked them open to see that I wouldn't be able to play the type of game that I played when I was in the military. Um, the leveling was just off in them. It didn't really have a lot of tools to help with the DM doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Dragon Raid. People say it's like a Christian RPG game, but it really is just a ministry tool because you've got the the module, which is basically a sermon in a nice little fantasy package. <laughs> There's no tool. There's no tools for creating your own thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up joining a missionary organization where I was um, again convic- convinced that T- TRPGs and stuff were bad and of the devil. And so I threw them out again. And um, turns out they are pretty, very, pretty much very cult-like. And it took me a year to get out of that, but um, that really did a number on my faith and had me reconsidering a lot of things. And I was, God pulled me through in the end, and there's still some scars that are healing from that. Mm-hmm. But um, I started to take a really critical look at why I felt this way and why the people around me felt this way about TTRPGs and specifically the satanic panic and all that. And um, it just, all the, all their arguments fell flat because it became apparent to me that no one had actually cracked open the rule book. Yeah. Like magic missile is not me over here chanting in Latin or Germanic or some other language. It's, I roll a dice and it tells me if I hit or not. Yeah. That's all mm-hmm. it is. So yeah. Um, from there, uh, I, s- I started running 5e again. Um, I became disappointed in how long the combats took, how my <laughs> oh, players yeah. that I had at the table, because it was a wonder, it was wonderful that it was in person, but it was all the wrong people to be in person. Yeah. So they didn't treat me well either. Um, OGL happened. We had a big disagreement on how to address that and ended up going our different ways. Um, I started looking more into the OSR, got into OSR Twitter, had fun with people there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Um, Had fun with people there. Then I... um, I started running Five Torches Deep, got into the idea of making my own game, um, then got into the idea of running Castles and Crusades because I really like how they treat the military and I have a military background. Um, And then Shadow Dark dropped and I'm like, oh, this would be a great market if I actually wanted to start writing and publishing things. And 5e is popular and this is like 5e, I should write stuff for this. So that's how I got into writing and drawing stuff for D&D. Mm. And then I joined the Gilded server, and the Gilded server um, Crossface and 
McClay and all of them were all like, yeah, Shadow, Shadow Dark's cool, but this OSE thing, it's cooler. Have you looked at OSE? And they got me into a basic legacies Castle Amber game and into uh, the basic experts Makahito game. And that's been a blast. And mm. now I'm just looking forward to running my own Yinsun Bronstein. Nice. Yeah, we got a got a couple people in chat here. Um, well, Patty's Parlor. Uh, yes, both Ryan's are still in. Uh, that was not the one I meant to click on. Um, Black Lodge Games. I had to hide the fact that I played Vampire in high school. Um, not to side with your parents on this one, but, you know, hey, mom, dad, can you drop me off where I'm going to, you know, hang out with a bunch of scantily clad goth chicks and dudes in leather trench coats? Yeah, I, I understand that one. Like, I get it. Oh, I that's get why. Yeah, that's. That's some big brain energy there. I would also like to hang out with all the scantily clad cloth chicks. Yes, you would. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> oh. And then uh, Dunder Moose, uh, Bro SR says only Christians can play real D&D. And don't you forget it. Dude, I really am appreciating um, Mr. Wargaming's... Uh, biblical approach where multiple times he'll just pull out his bible and like see they're they're correlated here like even though um gary gygax was a jehovah's witness and there's some things between the different disagreements between the denominations there um you can clearly see its influence on the early game and i'm glad he's pointed that out mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and uh yeah victor gorchev um you thought you had young splainers. I, I think this is the real young splainers right here. The the two of us. Yeah, I did think Crafty hated me, but then I just needed to realize he was like my uncle. Oh yeah, and was very blunt. <laughs> yeah, I, Uncle Crafty is like a real thing. Honestly, like you know, Crafty, and I, I'm just gonna like toot his horn here for a second. Crafty is one of the best when it comes to just like bluntly laying out no you're wrong here's why you're wrong let me explain this to you in detail um and, and all the criticism that crafty gives is constructive and that's one of the things that i really appreciate about him so you know crafty i'm glad that you uh are part of my community and i'm glad that you know you know your your peers with so many of us because you you really do kind of let us know when we're on our bullshit in a lot of ways. So I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate that crafty is the type of person where they're there to remind you that it's okay to disagree with people on the internet. Yeah. Cause there's just so many echo chambers, especially like forming in the OSR nowadays where it's, Oh, we disagree over AC or we disagree over um, what's another over gold for XP or we disagree over if the OSR is even necessary anymore. And mm -hmm. Crafty has the fortunate ability to remind people that he's still a person. So it's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jeff Rowe weighing in on the conversation here, it's easier to like Crafty since he changed his avatar. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh. Yeah, Jeff Rowe's book is on my... Uh, on my 
shelf of to read. I still got to finish reading through all the old school essentials because that's what the browser says to do. And I kind of agree with them. You got to know the rules you're running, but that's the next book after I finish those. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, the next question that I have here, um, those of us who spend a lot of time in this hobby, we don't do it for money. We don't do it for fame. Although some people think you can get famous doing this. I don't know why. Um, Jay Scott Garibay. We, we do this for love. We do this out of love for the game. And this love comes from uh, fond memories that we have running with our friends. So if you had to pick like a fondest RPG memory, one that pulls you through the darkest of times as an RPG fan, uh, what would that be? That would probably be that first game I ran um, in during Christmas in the military. Um, I remember there was some encounter where the village had run out on resources and it's the middle of a blizzard and they had to go find food and wood and stuff. So the PCs go out and um, I, I rolled up a dire wolf encounter, didn't have stats for it. And I was like, okay, I just pulled the stats for a dire wolf from 5e and cut the uh, HP in half. Like I'd seen some people recommend. We had six or so dire wolves and these guys, they just, um, they loved it. They were going back and forth fighting the dire wolves. And then for some reason, I love baby pets or whatever. I think I had bought baby bestiary recently or whatever. I decided to throw in a baby dire dire wolf that they adopted and it was great porter and katie and all of them they were great i really that's probably my favorite game and then there was a death frost doom game i got in where we ran 5e it was online and um for some reason we'd set it right after the collapse of the soviet union so i played a ranger who was like xkgb and oh nice I just, I was just basically playing Helga from Disney's, um, what is it, Atlantis. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I had a blast with that character. First character that of mine that died. And up until recently, ever since then, I've just had a uh, trend of every female character I play dying in the first session that they play in. It's great. <laughs> There are some out there who would tell you that's a sign that you shouldn't be playing female characters. But... <laughs> now, uh, are you sure it was not the day that you met Crossface? When? Um, I don't remember. Oh, oh that my fondest memory. memory. You know, now that I think about it, it definitely is. <laughs> what, what's or maybe it's today. Sorry. What's funny about this comment is uh, the day that I met Crossface, we argued with each other. Dude, apparently I have no memory of it, but when I went back and was deleting a bunch of my tweets, just trying to get some heat off my back, um, I was like, wow, me and Crossface and, and um, John, the basic expert, we really went at it. And they didn't <laughs> block me. And I was like, wow. I was totally in the wrong here. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I those guys got really thick skin. I, I can't remember what he and I were arguing about, but it was definitely a rules is written versus rule zero type thing. And this was before I took the rules pill. So 
I was definitely in the wrong when, when I was arguing with him. So I think it was a similar argument between us. And I just kept sending them disrespectful gift after disrespectful gift. I think I remember this. In fact, I think I remember you getting Awful. a turn on the wheel in uh, in the channel dedicated to that sort of thing. Um, oh, that's fun. I distinctly remember seeing that stuff and being like, who is this kid sending us all these gifts? <laughs> Yeah, and now I just do it in in whatever channel with Jar Jar, Jar Jar Binks gifts all day. Yep, absolutely. Now, uh, as you mentioned, you know, you, you did kind of come up in a religious household uh, right around the same time that I did. I will point out to everyone out there watching, he said he was in high school in 2016, which means for once I am the elder statesman on my own mm -hmm. show. So. Yeah, I uh, graduated high school 2018, I want to say. That that feels right to me because I joined the military in 2018 and I turned 18 in 2018. Um, I forgot what your question was. I'm sorry. I'll just, I, I didn't even ask it yet. Um, but, you know, we, we both kind of grew up in a religious, uh, you know, we, we had a religious household growing up and both of us... Uh, Initially, when we approached our parents about, hey, I, you know, I'm interested in this thing, we got smacked down hard with the whole that satanic thing. What's that kind of been like for you? I, it sounds like you definitely struggled a little bit with, well, is this satanic? What was that like for you? Um, it, like, if it's not too personal to ask, even like spiritually, what what was that process like for you of kind of discovering or going from this is potentially harmful and satanic to this is just a game and, you know, a fun one at that? So before I joined the military, um, it was mostly like a spiteful thing. Like mm -hmm. I, and uh, I'd mainly just watch the actual place for entertainment. Um, when I got back from the military, my perspective had completely changed because once again, I thought I failed because I had this, uh, demonic tal talisman sitting in my closet. And that's the reason why life didn't go the way it was supposed to and why I'd planned it. Um, but I, there was always that part of me that was really drawn to fantasy, especially the the part of fantasy that I think tabletop RPGs overlap with where it's you're inside the fantasy and you're directing it. Mm -hmm. I just found that alluring and for a while it really felt like something was wrong with me because I even after I started to like realize this is a good thing. Well, not not a good thing, but a benign thing. After I started to realize that tabletop RPGs could be benign, um, I'd go to um, Bible studies with friends at the church I was going to at the time, and I wouldn't know how to talk about 
tabletop RPGs with people. Now that could partly be because most of my social development came from while I was in the military, since I was jumping around from school to school as a kid, because I was not a good kid. I was getting suspended and stuff a lot, but um, I didn't know how to talk to people about it. And when I brought, brought it up that I was into D and D or whatever, people would just like nod and smile or they quickly change the conversation. And that was in a church that um, that was in a more modern opinioned church, but wasn't even charismatic in like, uh, or fundamentalist. So like in, in the charismatic churches, it was, Oh, this is a horrible thing. You're going to overcome this. God's got you type of thing. And in the fundamental church I'm at now, it's one, there's, not a lot of young people there. There's probably five to six people who are within three or four years of me. And then there's maybe 20 people who are in the age range from like 30 to 45. And then most of the church is 80 to early 60s. So Hmm. I don't even know where to begin there if I was to bring up the topic. And... Yeah. It's there I feel like there's a word for it, but it's it's almost as if I'm living a double life, mm-hmm. but not really. Like um yeah. for a while I tried to hide it from people in the church and then I came to the realization that if you're hiding anything then it's probably becoming an idol or it's that's just generally not good to hide things from people who are supposed to be in the same spiritual body as you Mm -hmm. um so it's not like i hide it now it's more i don't know how to discuss things in a way with individuals who aren't aware of it or have old ideas about it Mm-hmm. it's it's a difficult process yeah yeah it, it definitely is i mean um hejufos acre i i have no idea how to pronounce that name uh he he mentions uh like code switching or masking and i i've definitely felt the same way um not even just for D D. like while i was into D D, I was an adult so I didn't ever feel the need to hide my love for D&D. But when I was uh, a teenager, I was really into rock music and, and specifically into uh, like Black Sabbath and stuff like that. And there were definitely people at church who uh, remembered the like Jerry Falwell days of uh, televangelists saying that if you played rock records backwards, you got satanic messages. And so there was a lot of... Uh, people telling me that I was listening to devil music and stuff like that, that I had to deal with. Uh, so I, I kind of feel you on that. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's going to start happening because I've started coming to church more and more in like my own car, playing my music at the highest possible <laughs> volume. And I had, and I have a subwoofer. So I'm listening to like either hard rap or hard heavy metal at like nine in the morning pulling into church and sometimes i get like weird looks from people 
That's all right. Just as soon as you pull up, just like throw on some, I don't know, like POD or Lecrae, something, something. Some DC talk. DC, yes. And then uh, Crossface Curator is a backdoor D&D man. Yes. Yes, he is. What's a backdoor D&D? What's he mean by that? Uh, backdoor man. Um, oh, how to explain the concept of a backdoor man. Someone in chat <laughs> explain that. Um, I... Anyway. Um, Dunder Moose. Uh, this is... On kind of a more serious note, Dunder Moose, I respect my parents trying to protect me from satanic influences. That's um, that's something I've really had to come to terms with. Um, mm -hmm. As I've become a parent myself, and as I have matured and realized that at the end of the day, all the stuff that my parents were trying to keep me from, it was from a place of love. It's not that they didn't want me to have fun, uh, there were certainly things where my mom, you know, thought that I was wasting my time or wasting my money or something like that. But for the most part, you know, your, your parents, parents who do stuff like this are doing it out of a sense of care. And I wish now that we're in the like bash the satanic panic moment of the hobby, I wish that more people would take that angle on things. I'd be really interested in kind of a like alternate take on the mazes and monsters type movie where it's from the parents perspective and they see their child kind of begin to act in a different way and have to do i, I don't even know what i'm talking about at this point anymore um no i i think i think i know what you're trying to say like yeah um the perspective has definitely shifted for me as mm. a teenager um, I was very vengeful towards my parents. Um, I actually joined the military with the intent of uh, never seeing my family again. A very prodigal uh, son type of story. And I actually found my faith while in the military. So there's a lot of forgiveness and mending of relationship and also growing of our relationship that's happened since then. And yeah, I was an awful kid and they were doing their best and I probably could have been more gracious with them in the moment. Yeah, There was probably more grace that could have been given to me in the moment, but I don't think I would be the man I am today if it weren't for the efforts of my parents. And I'm thankful for that. And we have an agreement now where I just don't play D&D in the house and everything's amicable they my father specifically doesn't really understand it um my mom has become more passe about it uh since meeting some pastors uh that actually have played dnd and played dnd mm -hmm. but um it's it's um i think it's similar to doctrinal issues between some denominations where Baptists don't believe in uh, baptizing children and other ch other denominations do, but both groups can work towards a common good. Right, yeah. And, and both groups ultimately at the end of the day believe the, the correct things about Christianity and that, you know, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of sinners. Um, mm -hmm. and, and 
as someone who gets very kind of militant about his doctrine, I try to get away from stuff like that. So, you know, yeah. Dunder said, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Dunder said here that it's pretty unique that I gained my faith in the military. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I actually ended up being the chaplain guide in my basic um, for my flight. And uh, it was definitely weird, not only like having to read the Bible for myself and discover all the things I barely paid attention to in Sunday school, but also then tell people, oh, yeah, the Wiccan services are over here. Uh, let me help <laughs> you with that. Or, uh, oh, you want to go to the atheist service? Okay, cool. Here's the atheist service. It. The, the religion in the military service. is very weird. Oh yeah, they they call it they don't call it atheist because they call it uh, human humanism. And basically, what it was was they would go and they would watch um, they would watch what the newest video game releases were and all that stuff because we had no access to the internet while we were out. Uh, the Wiccan guys apparently they would take their shoes off, dance in circles, and eat cookies. That's that's all I know about them. Oh, God. And then uh, Dunder Moose also makes another good point here. Uh, your heart can make anything an idol. And, and that is something... Um, that, that is something that a lot of us Christians need to kind of remember is even though, yeah, like, it's okay to be a Christian gamer there's still this you know possibility that the the gaming will overtake what's ultimately supposed to be the center of your life and you know that's something that i think all of us who uh you know are are believers and i think there's a lot of us here in chat um you know who who are christians and I, i think that is a lesson that all of us need to remember you know yes it's okay to be a christian gamer but remember you are a christian gamer Yes. Um, I think it's, it comes down to like not becoming too worldly. Like mm-hmm. there, there becomes a point where is it, is the emphasis on the things of the world or is the emphasis on trying to sh- be a light in the world? Mm-hmm. Yes. Rule zero is a false idol. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, rule zero. I think rule zero is a bail. I think Elijah uh, set fire to one at some point. No, it's not his cup of tea. Absolutely, not your cup of tea <laughs> or cup of coffee. Hey, <laughs> have you seen have you seen that mud stuff? Which mud stuff? With, I keep getting these ads for this like coffee replacement where it's a bunch of like crushed up mushrooms oh it looks like you're drinking actual mud and i don't see the appeal yeah yeah no one they can prime they can have my beans when they pry them from my cold dead hands (laughs) You're, you're not coming for my coffee that'll be that's like I had a teacher once say that the Irish will save the world because the second someone tries to take o- take their whiskey away from them, it's it's game over. <laughs> that's, 
That's hilarious. I, I like that. With, it's me with coffee. You know, if you try to take my coffee away, I will burn your house down. Nice. And uh, Jeffro, uh, 10 years ago, it didn't feel like there were many Christians in the OSR, but now it seems like tons. I, I definitely noticed that as well. Here recently, I've, I've run into a lot of Christian gamers. And yeah, I, I like it. I like to I like to see that. It's something that... I, Go ahead. Yeah. I actually disagree with Jeffro here. Um, because I came in from like Nave and what people would call the new SR side of things. Mm-hmm. So like I'm I have a little interest in playing Mothership or games like that. But that side of the hobby it seems to be void of Christians. Like nobody talks about it and it's kind of shunned. Whereas the more I've, the more I've um, become more and more ingratiated with the various um, moderate and right-wing circles of the OSR, you see more and more Christians. So I don't know if it's necessarily that there's a lot of Christians in the OSR or if there's just a lot of conservative leaning or moderately leaning osr individuals who also happen to be christian Hmm. yeah and i think it really does come down to the like the the group that you came in with new sr it's a younger crowd um and that's kind of where like you have that splinter group that now calls themselves i think the rainbow osr and stuff like that (laughs) so is that an i thought that was a joke i thought it was real apparently it's a thing Oh boy. Well, if it gives me street cred, I have been banned from the OSR Discord. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I don't know if I have or not. I haven't even attempted to go in there. But the again, like the thing with um and Cal makes a good point here. You you do start to run into people at this point who are, you know, trying to move past the politics and religion thing. Uh, however, there are still a whole bunch of us that have our convictions and are not interested in hiding them uh, just to kind of fit in with the group. And I, that's something I really admire about um, the group that we've kind of fallen in with here. I, you know, there's a lot of different points of view in Basic Experts Gilded Server. There's a lot of different people that we interact with, but you know, we all seem to be cool with each other. Um, mm-hmm. And and really, like our pol- our political and our uh, religious differences don't seem to matter, uh, you know, as long as you're you're um, you know have the right answers on the reaction roll question. Mm-hmm. Mayo or mustard, right? Yeah. Or is it ketchup? It's mayo. It's always mayo. It's Duke's mayo. Don't you forget it. Well, I'm living in Idaho, so the obvious answer is fry sauce. I've never been to Idaho and I've never had fry sauce, so. Um, if you take mustard, hot sauce, no, not mustard, ketchup, hot sauce, and mayo and like mix it, mm-hmm. you get close, close. <laughs> Victor Gorchev, reaction to roll theology, exactly. Exactly, reaction to roll theology.
That's a that's quite a diverse background there, uh, Dunder Moose. You're you're Protestant. Your parents are Orthodox. Brothers are Catholic, and and Mormons rock. Okay, yeah. And then Chance Dale, uh, Freddy's fry sauce is extremely based. And Chance, I do apologize. I owe you a jar of Dukes. I should have brought that to you. I, I was going to bring it to him in. Uh, I was going to bring it to him in Texas, but I forgot. Mm -hmm. Did you go to uh, the North Texas Con? Is yeah. that where? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Crossface is asking if we've talked about your game yet. So I can't think of a better transition. Let's actually talk about some of the stuff that you are working on or have okay. worked on. And let's begin here with uh, talking about the Peacockatrice's Trail. Let me go ahead yeah. and get that. Got this right here. Absolutely. Uh, yep. And That's for the edification work. of those of you watching along at home, it is now on the screen. Yeah, um, this was a module I made for Shadow Dark. It was uh, actually that first zine that I had briefly mentioned where I was like, oh, I could get into the publishing space of this. Not necessarily to make money, but just be like a part of something. Yeah. Really? Um, so yeah, I had a, I was taking a graphic design class at the time and we had to make a magazine and I'm like, um, okay, I'll make a Dungeons and Dragons magazine or module or whatever. And so um, Yunsun is my favorite setting of all time. And I decided to set it in there. And I basically got this weird fun house uh, of all the different Yunsun regions while you're trying to hunt down a bird. Now, for uh, ignorant people like me who don't know what Yunsun is, can you very briefly explain the setting? Yes, um, Yunsun is a setting. I think it was was starting to be made back in 2016 uh, by David McGrogan. He's a Brit dude, and the way he describes it is it's supposed to be medieval India, parts of southern China, Nepal, Tibet um sort of a hodgepodge of all that viewed through the lens of stories coming back from silk road to europeans and what they thought that region must look like so it's a near eastern um what's the word for it it's a it's basically a near eastern slash indian uh setting um like character i think is the adnd setting for china and so yun suan would be the adnd equivalent of that for northern india and nepal in that region gotcha gotcha yeah i mean that's that's pretty interesting, and that's a um, that's a part of the world that has a lot of very weird and unique folklore. Um, mm -hmm. There's lots of cool stuff to like see around there. Obviously, you've got um, the Himalayas that kind of cover that entire region, so you have kind of a rough and rugged terrain to adventure on, and. You also have kind of the the seat of 
you know, the the Rajput and the uh, the Mongols and several other different people groups that uh, had some interesting lore and interesting kind of time as conquerors to explore there. So it, it sounds really unique and really cool. Yeah. It's, it's your kind of setting if you're looking to get into something that's not the stereotypical Western um, Western fantasy, medieval fantasy or the stereotypical sci-fi gonzo fantasy. Um, it's, it's about um, hunting down weird monsters, talking to slugmen, smoking opium, and drinking tea. Nice. Now, um, I, I do want to ask about designing for Shadow Dark. Um, this is interesting to me because Shadow Dark isn't out yet, at least not fully. I know there are mm -hmm. some rules available for it, but do, do you foresee a kind of like third-party design movement building around Shadow Dark? Is that something that you I... think is in the cards? I'd like there to be that. Um, they recently had a game jam, which I didn't participate in because I've been working on um, some stuff for my Bronstein game. Mm -hmm. But um, they had a game jam recently where people would could submit modules, classes, um, rule supplements like that. It was mainly modules. Um, I'm trying to remember who, but someone in our and the Gilded actually participated. And I think it was Mad Lord Matthias. No, I think it was Matthias. Um, mm -hmm. They, they wrote a module and participated and it was around 119 entries. So there's definitely a, a bunch of people interested in a um, shadow dark, uh, becoming bigger than it is um mm -hmm. but i'm not super convinced that it will go anywhere mainly because i made and printed the zine and have been distributing the pdf for free and just sending this to people for five dollars cost of shipping and i haven't gotten too many bites um and I even took some to my local uh, family game store and put them out there for free RPG day. And because of, I like, I like to think that because of the limits on the amount of free content people could take out of the store, that it wasn't very popular, but it was there a couple of days before all the issues I gave them were gone. So hmm. I think most of the interest around Shadow Dark is on the internet. I don't know if it's crossed over into the real world. And I'm mm -hmm. interested to see if Kelsey will be able to bridge that gap when she gets things printed and in stores. Yeah, I, I do wonder about that because, I mean, it's very much, Shadow Dark has very much been a Kickstarter sensation. And, you know, mm -hmm. I can't take anything away from Kelsey in that regard. I do wonder what kind of life it will have beyond shipping the physical books out to the backers. Because, uh, I mean, that's one thing, that's a good point that uh, Black Lodge Games brings up here in chat. Um, 
there might be more of a market once there are physical books in game stores. But then I, I also wonder how many game stores are going to carry Shadow Dark, how much kind of market penetration will it get? And I, I don't mean, th there's no way to say this without sounding like I'm crapping on Shadow Dark. I just want to let everyone know I have no opinion on Shadow Dark. I've never read it. I've never tried to play it. With games like this, though, I have I have trouble seeing a life beyond it shipping out to the people who backed it. And I have I have trouble seeing it get much further beyond the point of the people who backed it playing it. So, you know, that, that that's just my thoughts. Uh, wonky Keelan Halverson makes a good point here. I, I also don't see it being a sticky game that a lot of I don't see it being like the next OSE. And that's that's just my two cents. So from what I understand of the OSE, when things stick in the OSE, they either stick because they're really innovative or they stick because they're really well received. Like um, old school essentials, that sticks with people because it's basically BX, but in an easier to digest layout, which is something that seems to be very important to my generation when it comes to embracing games. Um, but Shadow Dark going off of what um, what Black Lodge Games was saying, I do think people will get excited when they see the DM screen, but I don't know how many people who sit down in a local, who are actually going to go out to their local friendly game store and sit down and play it. Like, I'm interested in it, but there's, I have, for some reason, I have a weird feeling about going to my local game store and playing games, and I I'm trying to identify why that is right now. But even if someone does and does go and sits down and plops up their game, however you're supposed to go about doing that, I'm not sure how many people are going to stick around. They, I think most 5e players will treat it like a novelty, and then they'll go mm -hmm. back to 5e. Yeah, and, and Crafty in chat here um, seems to think Tales of the Valiant uh, will be the next game that we're we're groaning over after one D and D. Yeah, that that might be the case. I I don't have a lot of optimism for Tales of the Valiant, uh, and I don't think many people do. We'll see. To interject, sorry. Um, I think it was Matt Berenger who made the uh, the um, supplement I was talking about for that jam. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Gotcha. And uh, speaking of Matt Berenger, happy birthday, Matt. Yeah, happy birthday, dude. What are you, 180 now? Oh, be nice. Be nice. We have a policy on here about not making fun of people's ages. Otherwise, I wouldn't have any guests. <laughs> yeah. My bad. It's all good. It's all good. Anyway. Yeah, uh, Critical there... Role has something called Dagger Heart, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, they're releasing their own rule set. And I think... I think that'll get a little bit of attention from their fans. I, I am starting to wonder how much longer Critical Role has in the tank. Yeah. For, I, I own a Critical Role Foundation hat, 
I've watched Critical Role for years. Haven't completed a season though, but um, I I've enjoyed Critical Role for a long time. But as I've like aged in my gaming understanding, it's just become more and more apparent to me that it's scripted and not scripted in the way that is oh line by line, but more plot beat by plot beat. And they recently had an episode that completely turned me off from Critical Role because it was just Matt sitting there for four hours and the players made like, I think, five rolls total. And he was just narrating his planned thing that took all their previous characters and pretty much pulverized them. And it's like, we'd rather you pulverize your entire game if you're going to do this. It just didn't feel authentic like previous... um, sessions of that series had felt to me and i know crafty has this whole opinion that everything you see online is fake but i think the actual plays serve um they they serve a function for people of our age and younger that walking into your local game store or going to the park or however it works back then and seeing people just playing the game and being like oh what's that i think it serves the same function because I don't see people being as publicly social in a face-to-face way anymore. And they're Mm -hmm. more social in an online format. Yeah. I I see what you're saying. Um, And and I'll bring up Dunder Moose's uh, comment here. The point of watching was learning how to play. And I, I bring that up to kind of disagree with both of you. I think initially the uh appeal of actual plays was here this is going to show me how to actually play the game but i think ultimately actual plays have become something separate from the game and that i don't think when you're watching an actual play whether it's critical role or really any other actual play most of the time you're not watching people play the game the people who are really really entertaining you're watching essentially a TV show version of what gameplay looks like. Now, there are actual plays where people do actually play the game, but those are the ones where people complain, oh, you guys are looking in the books too much, or oh, you're, you're arguing over you know, minutia too much. You know, nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's the split where you either actually play the game and actually playing the game uh, despite what some people will say, it's not entertaining to watch most of the time. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. But on the other side, you have people who are making something entertaining to watch. And the more you lean in that direction, the the less you get away from the game, because the fun of the game is playing the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ar- Iron Man, I'm I'm very glad that people enjoy watching it. I mean, like I've had, I've been a cast member on actual plays before, and you know, I I've had that same feeling of I I feel like this is boring to watch, but you know, sometimes sometimes it can be fun. Um, and Black Lodge, I ultimately do agree with you. Um, Playing the game is not for an audience. It, it's for the players at the table. And if you are, 
if you are doing something for an audience, you, you're taking away from what's going on for the players at the table and vice versa. If you focus just on the people at the table, then you're not creating something for an audience. And I, I don't see any way to reconcile those two things with each other, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. So moving on from there, unless you have uh, anything to, to add to that, moving on from there, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Bronstein uh, supplement yes. that you've put out here, this uh, locales, NPCs, and social groups around the Yellow City. Uh, is this also for the Yonsun uh, setting? Yeah. Yeah. The, Yons the Yellow City is like the biggest uh, metropolitan area in Yunsuin and it's ruled over by slugmen who are pretty much drug lords so it's i've always wanted to run a game set around there and um this is my best effort to uh organize all the ideas i've had about it i've gone back and forth on if i want to be as raw as i possibly can or if i want to homebrew things and pull things in from here and there and for now i've ultimately decided to lean as reasonably close to raw as I can. Mm -hmm. And I've interpreted that to mean sticking to official OSE classes and then sticking to the Crabman class presented in U the Yuen official book and then creating a homebrew version of the Slugmen because I don't, I don't appreciate or it's not my preferred method to do race as class mm -hmm. I, not race as, i mean to do race plus class i prefer race as class and um mm -hmm. the way they're presented in the yunsoon official book is they are race plus class and they can only play as holy men or wizards so i did my best to kind of merge those two classes mm -hmm. i love your uh i love your level titles here yeah that so, um that actually came from uh, Shadow Dark. That's a slight Shadow Dark influence right there. Because I really appreciate how they laid out their titles. OSE um, has titles, but they I don't think they're effectively organized, and I don't understand how I'm supposed to use them. Right. Yeah, there's... I, I like OSE, but there's something about the way they do level titles where it felt like they included them out of obligation. Right. And the thing, like, I think a lot of people don't realize this, and I, I wish more games did level titles, but the the order of your level titles in AD&D actually had some significance to it. Again, the title was where it was for a reason. Like, you know, when, when Vic kind of started that Balkans crisis over uh, a first level fighter as a veteran. That's the, the level title. That's what you are when you have, when you've gained one level as a fighter, you are a veteran. And, you know, once you get up to superhero, that term, it's kind of funny to those of us today who, you know, see superhero and think, what do I have tights and a cape now? That is a word that meant something in war gaming. Um, it was a unit that had specific abilities in wargaming, and so that's why that level title was there. And so when you see people 
uh, try to replicate that without kind of understanding the significance, you get some of the stuff like you were talking about in uh, kind of original out of the box OSE with the level titles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with, with the game I'm planning to run, um, it's constantly changed over. I'd say I've been trying to put this together for a year. It's changed from, Oh, I'm going to make a supplement that people can buy long into into, Oh, I'm just trying to make a, a supplement that is for myself that I can make as professional looking to, this is a lot of work. What are ways that I can take this work off myself? And that's kind of how I came across the bro SR. And I really appreciated their, um, their ideas about patrons. Mm -hmm. And so a, a lot, a big portion of the, of this specific PDF turned from, Oh, I'm going to define every single NPC that's here or every single faction to here's some ideas I have about the factions, which is like uh, page 23 through page 25 is where I'm talking about. But um, here's some ideas I have about the factions. You want to run a faction here, take this, do whatever you can and will with it. And I really am excited to see where that goes. Um, I recently put together a discord server um, that I'm hoping to use for the Bronstein game. And I'm hoping to either run my first session on the 30th or the second, but yeah, I'm, I understand different people's hesitancy with uh, giving up the control. Um, mm -hmm. Part of me is like, no, I want things to go this certain way. And I have this certain idea about this, but Jeff Rowe and Crossface and a bunch of, and um, John, they make an excellent point. Mainly John, I, I hear him say this the most, is the DM should be as pleasantly surprised or as horrified as the players, that they should be having the same amount of fun and the same type as fun as the players. Mm -hmm. And looking at things from that perspective has really shifted my ideas of, oh, I'm telling a story. I'm doing this too. I'm experiencing a story with the players and all this. Yeah. Now, is this a Discord server like for, for public broadcast? Like you want as many people as possible to, to join? Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be open table. Um, as long as you don't cause issues, you can join and leave whenever you want. Um, I plan on running i'm thinking of running one to two sessions a week regularly and i've heard that bro sr will have random sessions just pop out of nowhere so we'll see where that goes but i'm planning on running a session on sunday my time probably probably no later than going past 10 my time so probably six to ten and then maybe running one on Wednesday, but I'm not sure if I want to do an in-person game at my local family game store for that one. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that's 
that's the Bronstein element. Mm-hmm. Um, I've and, uh, also before, before we move on from it, though, I just want to remind everyone uh, the Discord link is now in chat. And for those of you watching after the fact, it will be in the pinned comment. So if you like what you hear and want to join in on this uh, this game, you can uh, you can find that link in uh, the pinned comment on chat if you are watching this after the fact. Yeah. Um, one thing I've experimented with in this document and the hex crawling one is um, encounters. From what I understand of random encounters for how like they've been played traditionally, like old school is, oh, you roll it and it's normally like a monster or an NPC or something. But one of my favorite RPG books is uh, Andrew Culp's Neverland. And he talks about area effects and creatures and all that's and um special locations mm-hmm. and all that being randomly rolled. And then I think it was Baron Duran who talked about with encounters, you want to add behavior and complications to it. So I've the way I've set up encounters to work is, oh, you roll, when you roll for an encounter, you roll a D4 to see how many encounters are happening in that day. And then you roll on a table to see what type of encounter you have. Mm-hmm. Is there an area effect where there's a bug infestation in the area or is there a creature and then in which case you roll the creature and you roll the behavior, the complication, and then you can add reaction rolls onto that to get really interesting scenarios. I've I've even tried including rumors. I don't understand know how I'd use them, but I've tried to put rumors and complications to those rumors. Mm-hmm. to maybe drop here or there. Yeah. And yes, yes, cross crossface is correct. It will be called Bro Broriential Adventures because I find that hilarious <laughs> that people think Oriental is a bad word. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I don't understand either because it literally means east, but you know, whatever. And I do also want to point out to everyone, uh, all of the art that you've seen uh, on these books, and uh, just to show an example here, one of my favorites, uh, this is the uh, the Dark Sun fan in me, uh, really loves this piece in particular, uh, the the scarab kind of pack animal. Um, This is, uh, this is fantastic. But all this art is done by Ryan himself. And you can find some examples of this. Uh, over on uh, at curator underscore art underscore dump on Instagram. Uh, this is where he, uh, you know, posts some of the uh, artwork from his books. And there's a lot of cool stuff here. A lot of the stuff that you've seen this evening, but, uh, you know, some of it you've seen in black and white and you can see in color over here on his uh, on his Instagram page. Yeah, I originally was drawing a lot in color uh, for the for this zine. And then I realized, I want to print this for free RPG day. How much is this going to cost me? Oh, 75 copies are going to be $500 for full color. <laughs> I think I, I think I'll switch to black and white. So, well, black and white isn't my preferred 
method, I'm learning to enjoy it and I'm learning the different intricacies and I'm hoping I will get better with that over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Victor Gorchev again, uh, how well can you draw guns? Um, There should be a gun on there. Let's see. Um, the one with all the weapons, there's... Um, there's a Indonesian gun called the Rentaka on there, which is basically a hand cannon. That's the only gun I've drawn. Um, I drew a gun in middle school once and got suspended because of it. So <laughs> maybe, maybe really good, maybe not. <laughs> but yeah, that what that gray thing up in the top with the cannonball. That's uh, that's pretty much the only gun I've drawn. Oh, man. Getting suspended for drawing a gun. How far we've come as a civilization. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that are just odd. Absolutely. So as we're kind of uh, getting towards the end of our time here, uh, there is one more question that I want to ask you. Everyone who comes on okay. the show gets asked the same question, and the answer can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. Uh, but Ryan, if you could put anything on a T-shirt, what would it be? Mm, I've wanted to uh, put that. It's I used it as the cover for um, what I used it as for the locales ones. I've wanted to put that picture on a t-shirt for a while, but I do have a t-shirt with one of my drawings on them. My sister uh, does a lot of um, like t-shirt and knitting based uh, art and stuff. And she took one of my very early line drawings and like um, printed it on a shirt for me. Uh, Hmm. I'll have to send you a picture in the Gilded at some point, but yeah. maybe that image just because like that t-shirt means something to me because she made me a gift. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's always nice when you get a nice gift like that, especially a personal gift like that from a sibling. And it sounds like some art runs in the family there. So that's, that's always good to hear as well. Very different mediums. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Let me put it this way. My sisters don't do anything like what I do here. They don't have a podcast. They don't game. They, you know, nothing. Sometimes we like the same TV shows. We get along. We love each other. But our our areas of interest do not intersect very often. Yeah, my sister recently came out of a relationship where – Previously going into that, she didn't have any care about Dungeons and Dragons or anime or Legos or all this stuff. And then suddenly we, when he's interested in it, she's interested in it. And then when it's over, it's like there's a newfound passing understanding for like the different interests. It doesn't mean she's suddenly into it, but she gets my um, enjoyment from those hobbies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed, uh, you know, having this conversation with you, t- 
talking about some of the you know common areas that we have shared mm -hmm. and uh, you know taking a look at some of this work that you've been doing you know this is really great where can people find uh you know th these uh books in particular yeah um so the hex crawling one and the um city one for now are going to be just in my discord server for the uh, bronstein game just so i can play test them and spell check them and i'm still doing a, a bit of work on them but i got to the point where either i get burned out or i'd start playing and i decided to start playing so while they're not 100 percent complete they're like 85 to 90 percent complete um so those will come out hopefully sometime in the next month or two um i i do have an itch store but i'm no longer publishing stuff on there all my stuff is going on giant slayer games um you can find the peacockatrice on there you can reach out to me privately if you want a physical version of the zine it'll be like five bucks and i'll ship it out to you um i've got a my attempt to understand wargaming as a supplement, like taking risk and applying the rules of risk to mass combat and D&D &D on there as mm -hmm. well. Um, in the future, I hope to make a, uh, a module for Victor's, um, his modern set, his modern gun D&D setting. I hope to do something with the roof Koreans. They're one of my favorite <laughs> social moments. Nice. So I, I think it'd be great to do like some sort of riot in Goblin Town or something. Mm -hmm. um, you can find art I'm working on on my Instagram. Um, you can find my spicy takes on Twitter. Um, yeah. And then my sister, I don't, I know a lot of people have like small children. She makes stuffed animals out of crocheting that you can buy from her on her Instagram as well. And I've also put a link to Ryan's Substack here in chat, oh. and there'll be one in the pinned comment. Um, I forgot about that. <laughs> you, uh, you do have, it looks like there's a lot of uh, you know, session recaps on here. And then you recently, uh, the, the article that you posted today about your RPG journey, um, I. We talked a lot about that stuff here on the show, but I think you go into kind of, you know, more detail in this article. So definitely check that out uh, if, if you guys haven't. It's the first article over on Ryan's Substack. It's great. And I'm not just saying that because he links to one of my videos in there. I, early in me writing stuff, I ran into a mishap where I didn't give somebody credit for one sentence that inspired me so ever since then i always try to give credit due where it's due unless somebody's like please don't give me credit which i've had people help me with working on the, the two new zines i'm working on now where they're like i just like what you're doing and thought you could use some help in this direction and they don't want credit but oftentimes i go too far in giving people credit because of that so that's why i had to throw you in there oh it's all don't don't worry about it. i'm not going to get on you if you don't link to if i feel like you've plagiarized from me and some people get so precious about that and i'm like you weren't going to make any money off of it anyway 
So there is a large component I've noticed of people who want to be in the new SR, but aren't necessarily in the new SR that get upset about plagiarism. And they don't seem to understand that every edition of D and D has plagiarized the previous editions of D and D. It's just a cultural touchstone. And at the same time, there's a lot of cases where it's not even intentional. There's a lot of parallel thinking. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I heard this idea somewhere. I can't remember where, and I'm just going to, you know, put it out here. And then someone wants to, you know, take ownership of it. And with a lot of that stuff, you, you kind of have to let it go. Like if it's egregious, mm-hmm. if it happens over and over and over, you might have a case there, but just once, I mean, If it's it's word through word, put through chat GPT, like we see some people doing today, then it's like, maybe that should be called out. But if it's just a convergent evolution, then okay, it's cool that we're both thinking on the same lines. Maybe we should game together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. This has been a great conversation. Uh, just to let everyone know uh, what's happening next week, uh, we are stirring up some controversy. We're bringing some Ooh. danger here to Rolling Bones. Uh, in fact, we're bringing on the most dangerous man in role-playing games today. Uh, that's right. Next week on Rolling Bones, Jeff Rowe Johnson will be right here talking to me. I'm looking forward to it. I know you guys are looking forward to it. Uh, So until then, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I will see you guys next time.